As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Louis Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I'm not going to lie. I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilders Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robinson, and I'm down to dunk. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Good morning. Good morning. We're live on YouTube and on Periscope. So if you're joining us, we appreciate it. Be sure to drop a comment in the chat. We'll answer throughout. I uh, hope everybody is doing well. The... Uh, the Thunder coaching search uh, trudges on, despite Woo! the uh, <laughs> despite the wishes of the the Thunder faithful on Twitter, who think that they should have should have done something by now. Dude, we, we got. I feel bad for everyone who wrote all the, their coaching articles in that first week. Like, yeah. Uh, in, for instance, uh, Joe Masato from the Oklahoman, he had that giant list. He should have been releasing those like one at, per day and it would have lasted the entire time. <laughs> I know. I think he had 50. Candidates. Yeah, he, he could have spread that out this entire time. It probably would have had extra. He could have done bonus candidates at the end. He could have. And I don't, so I don't know that he included some of the guys who are like actually up for the job, though. <laughs> Oh, well, great. <laughs> There's more to talk about. So he can do more. Uh, so Mark Stein has reported that the Thunder have interest in the following people. Uh, actually, let's let's play a little game. Let's play, play a game called Who Moves the Thunder Coaching Needle? So if, if one of these names moves the needle, let me know. Now, what does that mean? My you, personal needle? Your personal Thunder Coaching Needle. Oh, so you just let me know if any of these move the needle. Will Hardy of the Spurs. Mm, that's one of those ones that you definitely talk yourself into because he's young. He's from the Spurs. I'd be excited, but he's not. He wouldn't necessarily be like the most exciting. Charles Lee of the Bucks. 
Also, Charles Lee goes by Chuckles, according Chuckles. to Wikipedia. It, that might not be true, but if he is hired <laughs> by the Thunder, I will for sure try to call him Chuckles. Uh, so Chuckles is actually the one I was most interested in. Oh, because okay. going back to the very beginning of all this, Kevin Arnovitz came out with an article where he was basically going through all of the top coaching candidates in the league. And I read through that list and the name that most stuck out to me was Charles Lee. And I'll read the little paragraph and you'll understand why. He said, uh, Charles Lee, 35, who's in his sixth season working under Mike Budenholzer in Atlanta and now Milwaukee. Fans of Lee, who played professionally overseas before spending a couple of years as an equity trader on Wall Street, tout him as a five-tool coach who is every bit as comfortable having meaningful, meaningful conversations with a backup point guard as he is dining with a team owner. Those who have worked with him say he has an intuitive sense of how to inspire improvement from players, but also understands high-level strategy and the preparation required to implement it. He is, in the words of one peer, someone who is categorically going to be a head coach. And so the age I liked, 35. Yeah, young. That's, that's fun, you know. Could be our friend. Wanna... That's our that's our age. That's our age, right? It is. Like compared to, I know I'm not a big baseball guy, but the White Sox just hired like a 78-year-old manager. <laughs> Tony La Russa. Right. <laughs> I didn't want that. I don't want that. No, I'm sure no, there's no. some great older coaches out there, but I like the idea of having a young coach that you could potentially have for a really long time if you really nail it. Kind of like an Eric Spolstra who's going to be in Miami for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. So I like that. And then I just like this idea that he appears to both have the like X's and O's aspect, but also the relationships aspect. Yeah. Um, I like the idea that he's worked under Coach Bud. I know Coach Bud's gotten some heat lately, um, but Coach Bud offenses have maybe not revolutionized the game in the way that like D'Antoni's did, mm -hmm. but still that's, that's a good offense to be attached to. Um, and so I really liked him, but I never heard his name spoken of by anyone in this whole run up. So I just kind of threw it to the side. So when I saw his name come back up on the Mark Stein report, I got a little excited because like, Hey, that's that guy. <laughs> and so that would, uh, that would definitely move my needle. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next one. Does this coach move the needle? Uh, Mark Degnault of the thunder. Mark Degno, I mean, that feels like if you were betting, if you're a betting man, that would be the odds on favorite, not from any type of report, mm -hmm. just from the very simple fact that this is a guy that they have kind of, is the word manicured? <laughs> I don't think it's manicured. Manufactured? They've, no, they've developed. They've, he's been in their like coaching development program now for many, yeah. many years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he, they had him coaching the blue. Then they have him move to the bench with Coach Donovan. So, like, if you're just following that through line and looking at the way they hired Coach Brooks way back in the day, like, I think he has to be the odds on favorite. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know if he necessarily moves my needle in terms of excitement because I think it would be the most likely outcome. Yeah. But by all accounts, he, you know, seems like he'd be a good coach. I mean, I have no reason to believe he wouldn't be. Yeah. He loves development from what I hear. And loves great to groomed players. groomed that's the word people are saying groomed, groomed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not, that's very close to manicure though because when you when you <laughs> get a manicure true. you are this you do true. sometimes get groomed as well that's true he uh and he loved being the coach of the blue and what and wants to be a head coach i think that that's not any secret and so to me it i agree with you that there's a clear path there's also the fact that 
everybody's wondering why are they taking so long? Well, if the guy is already in their facility and can already talk to Sam and talk to everybody and work out with players and do individual stuff with guys and he can already do that because he's on the staff already. Then why, like, what's the rush to bring him up? Like, there's right. no, there's no rush. And you could even say, like, hey, listen, Mark, we are employing all these people, and we want you will will give you the job, but we need you to wait because this is helping us not having to furlough people or fire people or eliminate positions, you know, at this point because we're not making the money that we would typically make. So, I mean, like I'm making all of that up, by the way, <laughs> I'm, making, I'm making it all up, but it like, it makes sense. Like there's just so much of it that makes sense with Mark Degnall. And you can, you can draw the same lines to Brian Keefe, who's been with right. the Thunder off and on for years and a guy that they really like, that they really trust. And so to me, I would not be surprised if it's either one of those guys. If we and then to be fair to Mark, let me read you what uh, Kevin Arnovitz said about him. He said the community of mid-level front office execs who closely follow the G League and player development scene named current Thunder assistant Mark Dignault as a brainy coach with promising upside. Dignault coached the Thunder's G League team for five years before moving to Donovan's bench, where he's distinguished himself with his disposition and direct but empathetic manner of communicating with players and coworkers. Yeah, I've heard, good. I've heard he's awesome. I've heard nothing but good things about him. And I, part of me just thinks like with Degnaught is that he's one, he's been a guy that's been a head coach recently. And I like that. Uh, and also he's a guy that they're bringing up. That's he's just making steps that make sense for the next head coach. They may hire Brian Keefe just because maybe they're more comfortable with him as the guy I have a hard and I don't this is really it's really a baseless claim but I just have a hard time seeing him being like the future coach of the Thunder like I have a hard time seeing Brian Keefe as the coach for the Thunder in 2030 uh let me read what Kevin Arnovitz wrote about him it's good that all these guys made this article by the way <laughs> it is good <laughs> He said, executives and members of the coaching fraternity have recommended Oklahoma City lead assistant Brian Keefe more vocally every year. Yet another alum of the Spurs video room, Keefe has engendered the confidence of the Thunder organization with his sharpness, and they were thrilled to bring him back to serve beside Billy Donovan. Keefe is a questions asker. I almost said seeker. He asked the questions. The voice in the room who's inclined to suggest a contrary approach with thoughtfulness. He forges positive relationships with players and is a big picture person. It's an interesting, interesting write-up. Yeah, I mean, big picture person is definitely a quality that the Thunder want. Right. And all of these guys really possess, I mean, it's it's what I've been trying to say all along. Younger guy, willing to cut their teeth on a tanking team, you know, have a vision for the future. Like all of these guys have those qualities. Uh, and then the last one, Will Weaver, who was last with the Sydney Kings, uh, somebody from Australia tweeted at me that that he would have won the championship there had they been able to carry it out. So, you ever seen Will Weaver? You ever seen a picture of him? Nope. And he didn't make the list, Andrew. He didn't make so the Kevin, list. Kevin Arnovitz doesn't care about him. I don't care about him. Do you like to see a picture of him? There he is. Will Weaver. He's okay. Got, he's got some nostrils on him. That Will Weaver. Is he from? Uh, is he from here? Or is he Australian? No, he's from here. He was. Oh, okay. So he was with the Nets. And I oh, coached okay. their their G League team a couple years ago, uh, but yeah, another just okay. Like I, all of these are just very similar profiles of guys. 
Yeah, they're like when you go on an NBA 2K and you're like cycling through the potential assistant coaches that you could hire. It's like all oh, these guys. I mean, whatever. It's just like, why? Why is the game making me make this decision? I don't care. <laughs> they're all the same. Yeah, I mean this this list is is very unsurprising, and we've I've been talking about several of these. Like we've been talking about Degnault and Brian Keefe and Will Hardy for weeks and weeks and weeks. Now Charles Lee's a new one, and I had heard his name. Um, I think late last week I had heard his name. So I think that it's, it's a real thing. And then the Will Weaver one was, I had first heard of him yesterday. So I would, I would guess it's going to be from that list. And I would honestly be surprised if it's not Degnault or Keefe. So just a, just a wild prediction with no, no, nothing to really base it on, but just connecting dots in my own head. But I, I do, I do believe that it will be one of those two. It is such an interesting decision because as the Thunder organization, they've obviously put a lot of time and effort into grooming both of these two guys to be better coaches. And so now you've gotten to this point where you do need to hire a new coach. And I can imagine it would be hard to choose someone outside of the organization at that point. Yeah. Cause it's almost, it's not, but it's almost like, we didn't we didn't do enough good enough job with these two guys. We got to go get someone else. <laughs> right. It's not really that, but that's like I could imagine that's how it feels a little bit. Yeah. Um. Because it's like you kind of want to put your money where your mouth is, and like we spent all the money and time developing these guys. Like, do we believe in our developmental process in terms mm-hmm. of coaching? And if we do, we should go with one of these guys and feel really good about it. Yeah. I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah. I would be surprised if they didn't choose someone internally. Um, and I think it's it's those two. It was never going to be Mo Cheeks. We haven't talked about Mo Cheeks. He got hired by Billy Donovan uh, in Chicago. It's great. It was never going to be him. He just, he didn't, you put, you throw Mo Cheeks into this group that we just talked about. It's like, oh, that is, he just doesn't belong in that group. It just doesn't. Make yeah. Sense. Like they're definitely looking for a certain type of coach. Yeah. Young relatively inexperienced but there's all of these guys have a lot of untapped potential even brian keith has a, some untapped potential because he's never been a head coach and you just never know some of these guys I, I i actually like the fact that they're looking for somebody new and not trying to find a retread right because a lot of these guys that are retreads you know what to expect uh and honestly like a good retread <laughs> They wouldn't come. They wouldn't probably interview for the Thunder job. They probably wouldn't come here to do that. Uh, so the NBA is making progress on a start date. And Shamsharania reported that they are likely to vote tomorrow or today or tomorrow. Is that right? Uh, Thursday night or Friday. Yeah, Thursday night or Friday. So we'll know something by the weekend. I would guess that that teams and definitely the general managers are pushing for this transaction window to be open i think it's best for a lot of players like if you're chris paul and there are reports floating around that he would like to be uh, in new york or la for his next stop if he wants to make that happen we got to open that transaction window we can't wait because the it's not if they kick the can down the road one or even two more times, it's not going to be detrimental to the start of the season. Um, 
because I think the actual drop dead date is the day before the draft. And, but I, I don't see that happening. I don't see them pushing that far. I think that at the end of the day, money is going to talk and money is going to win the day. I think I said that on Monday with McKelly is that it's just, this is all about money. This is what all of this is about. And the players are going to have to make some concessions uh, in order to recoup as much money as possible. And I think, uh, you know, you look at kind of the timeline here, because in an article, Shams also said that, like, after doing a few meetings, a lot of the players even believe that a December 22nd start is inevitable. And so under that scenario, you would have training camps being opened like December 1st. So we're already at November 4th. If they vote and approve it, maybe we get some numbers this weekend and maybe by next week the trade window opens. And that gives you about three weeks, like a, a little a little bit of time before the draft, a little bit of time after the draft. Like two you weeks. need that time. Two weeks. I think we're we're two weeks from the draft. Two weeks from today is the draft. Yeah. We, we. I mean, I know they're probably already having trade conversations, but you really need those numbers before you can do anything. Right. Yeah. I think any GM would agree with that. And so I'm, I'm just, I just want, I just want it to be decided. We can move forward. I totally understand why certain players, especially like the Lakers or the Miami Heat wouldn't necessarily want to start on December 22nd. But I think for a lot of the league, like that's makes a ton of sense because they have not played a game in forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's time. I think they're going to start in December. I think they'll for sure get Christmas. I would be actually be very shocked if we didn't have basketball on Christmas, which a month ago I I was having a conversation with my wife about how, hey, this year there's going to be no basketball on Christmas, so we can just do whatever. It's like, probably not. (laughs) Actually, I I wanted to bring up because I got an email from a down to dunk listener. An email. I got an email from down to dunk listener. Uh, don't remember how they got my email, but they sent me an email talking about the start of the season and asking for those teams like the Lakers and the Heat and maybe some of those other teams that made the conference finals, would there be any mechanism in place where the league could potentially like skew the schedule, balance it out, so maybe they get a little bit more of a break up front and maybe play more of their back-to-backs towards the end of the season? Um and he was actually suggesting, like, what if they just played less games, which I don't think the league would ever agree to. But if they could do something to weight the schedule based on when you last played a game, mm-hmm. maybe that makes some sense for for some of these players who are hesitant to come back this early. Or you just you front load the Lakers with Charlotte and Cleveland and Oklahoma City. And the Thunder. And the Thunder. I mean, honestly, <laughs> that's like that's a way to do that. Without having to like spread it out. Right. That's you just say, oh, hey, Lakers, you're not going to play the Clippers until March. Yeah. (laughs) You don't have to play Denver, the Clippers, the Celtics, any of those teams. And then they just have a gauntlet at the end of the season, which gets them ready. Yeah. So shout out to Kamal for sending in that email yeah. to the official Al Baby Cakes email address. <laughs> nice. Uh, a few questions from the chat before we move on. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, Penny, which is also Bangelo, says that she's feeling sad that Becky Hammond isn't getting any love anymore. Uh, here's the thing. I don't know that Becky Hammond has any interest in the Thunder. And so I don't, I don't know that she doesn't, but I'm, I have not heard one peep about her wanting to coach the Thunder. Like there has to be mutual interest there. The Thunder can want Becky Hammond to be their coach as much as, you know, as much as they want any of these people to be their coach. But I, I just don't think that to me, this is not the job for Becky Hammond. This is not the job for her to take. I, I would, I think that like Indiana would have been a better opportunity for her, something like that, where she can go and actually win some games because I just don't think that you want the very first job that a female coach gets to be is to be a, a tanking job, right? Yeah, that would be rough to, I mean, to like put her in a Brett Brown situation where it's like your first two to three years, you're going to have one of the worst coaching records of all, of all time. time. And, and, yeah. and you're kind of just hoping it, you turn the corner at some point. Yeah, because if it's her, it's a headline, right? Becky right. Hammond, and then, worst coaching job ever. She's done right. the worst. If it's Charles Lee or Will Weaver, and maybe and there's part of this is that it's a little bit unfair, and I get that. But if it's Will Weaver, no one cares. Like nobody cares. As yeah, it doesn't the become say a, they a, like a, a story. A story. Yeah, there's no. It's no story. And so I don't. I personally, I hope the Thunder are like, hey, Becky, listen, we. We, we like what you've done. We're, we hope that you can get a job. This is not the job for you. Like, this is not the job for you to get. Uh, let's see. Why do people care about Becky so much? Hoop Talk 69 says, it's, she's from the Spurs tree, right? That's a part of why. Yeah, I mean, anyone, I mean, by, by uh, evidence by OKC's interest in Will Hardy, um, the Spurs tree has a very long line of people coming out from it, not even just the coaching tree, but also the GM tree. Mm-hmm. And so I think anyone who's a part of that, maybe that's lost some of its shine in recent years, but even going back to like Messina, remember when it tore oh, Messina yeah. Oh, yeah. was there and he was like the hottest coaching name and it just never got a job. Mm-hmm. So those names have always popped up. So obviously I think that's a factor. Obviously the fact that she would be the first woman coach, I think is a very um, exciting point for a lot of people. So I certainly understand the, the potential excitement around Becky Hammond. But when you start comparing to the other assistant coaches, like I don't know how to separate her from those coaches beyond the fact that she's a woman. Like, and I, I can't, it's what we talked about earlier with these other assistant coaches. Like I can't distinguish between these people. I'm reading <laughs> paragraphs from Kevin Arnovitz and trying to make a decision based on that. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I read all these names, Will Hardy, Charles Lee, Mark Degnan, Brian Keefe, Will Weaver. Just like, just one guy, really. Like it's just right. one guy. 
is it going to make a difference who, I mean, obviously it will make a difference, but it just feels like we, we don't know anything about any of these guys for the most part. And to make like a judgment call, like I'm predicting a thunder guy just because I'm reading some tea leaves. I'm, but it's not because I think they are like far and ahead, like the best coaching candidate of all of these guys. If you claim to know of this list of five guys, if you claim to know who the best is that I'd like to talk to you, because I don't know. I don't know. No one should have real strong feelings about this unless you are like the biggest assistant coach fan in the world. And like, that's your thing. Maybe that's somebody's thing. I don't know. Maybe somebody's thing is knowing assistant coaches. I don't know. Probably not, but maybe. Uh, okay. You want to move on to, uh, some hardened news? Let's move on to some hardened news. This is, this is exciting. Before we move on to the hardened news, uh, you can go to the athletic.com slash down to dunk and get the athletic for $1 a week. So that promotion started this week. It's just a dollar a week. I'm sure you spend lots of dollars on coffee or burritos or something, and you could just spend a dollar a week and get some great content. You can even get this show for $1 a week ad free. So if you don't like the advertisements, if you don't like me reading advertisements or the inserted ads that uh, we have on this program, you don't have to listen to them. You can listen to Down to Dunk on the app. You can also comment on the app. That's something that you can't do on individual episodes in Apple Podcasts or anything like that. So uh, make sure that you leave us a comment, listen on the app if you are an athletic subscriber. And if you're not and you want it to be ad-free, Go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk and you can get it for $1 a week. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Don- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, so Andrew, there's been some rumblings lately, and I felt like we needed to talk about them. With, but I should preface that a lot of this is just reading some tea leaves. Okay, and so I want to start by going back, going back to uh, right pre-COVID, different yeah. times. Yeah, when yeah. the uh, Houston Rockets were suddenly not looking great, they were losing a couple games in a row, just overall looking tired. 
And we started talking about, you know, what would be the implications if Houston went out early in the playoffs again, or if they, or if they did so in an embarrassing fashion. And we talked about how the idea of Dan Tony leaving and even Daryl Morey leaving wasn't out of the realm of the possibility possibilities. And the reason was very simple. Like it would, it's very difficult to improve that roster yeah, because of the existing salaries, the owner's unwillingness to spend the lack of picks and the lack of young assets. It's the oldest roster in the league. Okay. So now fast forward, someone we didn't talk about from that perspective is James Harden. Why wouldn't all those same limitations of Houston's current situation, which directly led to Maury's departure in addition to getting 10 million a year, plus from the 76ers, why would that not also apply to James Harden's current thinking? Because what player, or not, I mean what player, what person in the NBA is most closely associated with James Harden? Like what player, coach, owner, GM, trainer, agent, is do we most associate with James Harden? It's Daryl Morey. Daryl. There's no one else. Like for LeBron, you would say uh, Maverick. Uh, Mo, would say. Mo Williams. <laughs> nope. nope. That's, that's wrong. <laughs> Incorrect. With James Harden, it's Daryl Morey. Like, he's one of the few people in this league who not only correctly evaluated his potential, but was also willing to make a serious offer. Because remember, like the Wizards, not willing to make a serious offer. Yeah. Could have, could have given his Brad Beal on a platter. How nice would that have been? <laughs> then, once he acquired Harden, Morey built the entire roster around him and gave him a level of control over the offense that allowed him to flourish into a perennial MVP candidate. Yep. And while the hiring of D'Antoni took that to another level, the idea of building a team around James Harden and treating him like a superstar goes directly back to Daryl Morey. Mm-hmm. So now you're James Harden, the guy who is most closely associated with your career, has decided to bail on you. You're a top five player, and he's done it for a better opportunity. You don't start to question whether there's a better opportunity than Houston. <laughs> you don't start to at least wonder, Andrew. But I, I maybe brought, this is- I brought this up to you. I just want to say this. I brought this up to you a long time ago. And you're like, he's got everything he wants in Houston. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> and if I was just throwing it out there without any evidence, I would agree. But yeah. Andrew, we've gotten some tea leaves. We do have some tea leaves now. There is, Over the- there's some things. <laughs> So starting at like the least interesting are some vague tweets from NBA Twitter accounts, mm-hmm. large NBA Twitter accounts. So you have uh, Cuffs the Legend, 73.9, and they lied. <laughs> he, he tweeted a few days ago, going to share some spicy Westbrook news in the next 24 to 48 hours. Now, it has not been 48 hours yet, but I'm keeping an eye on the clock. Yep. Cuffs has not come through with anything, but just thought that was interesting. He's a guy with like many, many followers. Yeah. It's like 20,000 plus. Yeah. And then there was uh, M grads who tweeted like all the in within the same hour, Houston Rockets, we have a problem. Another guy with like 20,000 followers. Yeah. Just interesting. Just strange for that to happen on two semi-large NBA Twitter accounts. But again, who knows? It, it, it's a great way to uh, get some likes and get some retweets to just randomly tweet out stuff that people could interpret a bunch of different ways. You can always throw out the eyes emoji if you're a reporter. A lot of things popping off. Maybe it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. But then but then we had the Mark Stein report in his uh, New York Times newsletter on the Houston coaching search. Yeah. Basically saying that Harden wanted Ty Lue or John Lucas III as head coach. Raphael Stone, the Rockets GM, new GM, wanted John Lucas III. Tillman Fertitta wanted Jeff Van Gundy 
but Harden and Westbrook were anti Jeff Van Gundy. So now rival teams are wondering how unhappy Harden may be that he didn't get either of his coaching preferences, which I think is really interesting that the coach they did hire, Steven Silas, did not appear in that list at all. Like apparently the players wanted certain guys, the GM wanted a guy, the owner wanted a guy, and they settled on someone who was none of those guys. Mm-hmm. And maybe the idea there was that he was like the happy medium. He was he was the the pick that no one necessarily was their first choice, but everyone agreed was like their second choice. That's interesting. Yeah. That if you're a team like the Houston Rockets, you wouldn't uh, kind of cower to your superstar and give him whatever coach he wanted. And then came out the Shams report, Shams, Sharania, (laughs) reporting on the Sixers interest in Harden saying that they were going to like make an attempt or they were interested in Harden might want to pursue him. Now, some are trying to immediately wave this away. Like, well, of course, Philly wants a top five player. Who wouldn't? But James Harden isn't a free agent. He hasn't demanded a trade. Philly didn't release a similar report about Brad Beal or Paul George or any other non-free agent star. And by just waving it away, you're removing it from all this context that we just talked about, which is that Maury is the person most closely associated with James Harden over his entire career. So why would Philly and presumably Maury, guy who traded for Harden and gave him the keys to the Rockets franchise, why would he leak this information? Does he know something? (laughs) Is he just trying to stir something up? Red94 on Twitter suggested that he thinks, based on kind of that conversation about the coaching candidates, that Daryl Maury was trying to sow some seeds of discontent, like just kind of add some fuel to the fire. But I wonder if it goes even deeper than that. Like if Maury knows something, and is specifically putting out that report as a way to like really trigger a blow up. And so all of this yeah. ends with a prediction that James Harden is going or has already requested a trade. <laughs> now, again, a lot of this uh, comes from not great reporting. Not great sources. This is a guess. This is just a guess. And to be fair, something happened last night on election night that kind of threw a wrench into this idea, which is that Sham Sarania reporting that the Houston Rockets hired John Lucas III as an assistant coach to Steven Silas, which after you read the Mark Stein report almost sounds like a way for them to appease their star. Like, hey, we didn't get you your guy but we're going to make sure he's on the staff. We're going to make sure he's the lead assistant. And so maybe they have put a bandaid on what could have been something more serious, but I still think all of this smoke is very interesting. Even if it just ends up to be nothing, a big, nothing burger, just the fact that there could be some discontent is exciting. Yeah. I mean, the Houston run just can't just by, virtue of what their roster is like cannot continue for that much longer. Right. With just, right. just the age of every player on the team. I mean, the youngest rotation player is Daniel house. Who's also like in this weird spot because of what happened in the bubble. Uh, he's 27. That's like the, that's the youngest rotation player that they have. And like PJ Tucker's 35. PJ Tucker's like the fulcrum of the the defense for Houston. He's 35. 
Like, how much longer can P.J. Tucker play the way that he's been playing? So, if I'm James Harden, I'm seeing that, and I'm like, okay, one, maybe two years tops, then I got to get out of here. But if there was I, a trade... I agree. If there was a trade to be made, I mean, and you said this, I mean, Ben Simmons, could you do much better than Ben Simmons? I don't, and that's why I think Maury leaked that report, because he knows that... Whether it's now or whether it's down the line, if the scenario comes up, Philly is going to have one of the most competitive offers because not only do you need the star power in whatever deal it is, but you also need it to be a place that James Harden isn't going to just go to and be upset again. And Because in this scenario, James Harden would be requesting a trade. He's obviously doing that to go to someplace better where he has a better chance to win. So... I don't. I think when you look at all the teams, the number of teams who both have the assets and would also be a place that James Harden would want to play, and he wouldn't just request another trade, is actually really small. Mm-hmm. Like people have thrown out the Suns. The Suns are not trading Devin Booker for James Harden. They're um, not doing that. Man, I don't think not. they're trading like DeAndre Ayton and a combination. But again, that's not even as good as Ben Simmons. Like, okay, so you're already back. So you're back to Philly in that in that scenario. Mm-hmm. I just don't think the number of teams that can trade for James Harden for all those reasons is very long. I don't think that's a long list. And I think the Sixers are actually at the head of that list. Yeah. Because that because they have that key piece, Ben Simmons, that you could theoretically talk yourself into in terms of building a team around. Obviously, the fit with Simmons and Westbrook, not great. Gonna have to figure that out at some point. But just in terms of raw asset potential like ben simmons is the best player i think they could get yeah because the other one you brought up and they could do ben simmons and a few picks or whatever the other one you brought up was like what about denver what what about denver trading jamal murray and like michael porter jr Mm -hmm. Could, could you get in the realm with that and i just don't feel like that's a deal that the Nuggets have traditionally done. They they have not been a star hunting team in recent memory. And they've also been a team that hasn't really been willing to pay the luxury tax. And so I, I think they prefer, and this is just me guessing, but I think they prefer to just keep their homegrown talent and keep it there rather than making like a colossal move like that. I think mm-hmm. James Harden and Jokic would be very fun to watch, but I just don't feel like Denver is the type of organization that makes that move. Yeah, I think they do like the homegrown aspect of their team. And I think the fan base does as well. So, yeah, I would agree with that. So, what about this trade? James Harden to the Sixers, Mike Scott, Ben Simmons, Matisse Teibel, 2021 top three protected pick, 23 top three protected, 25 top three protected to the Rockets. Yeah. Like, I mean, and the question is just, can you do better? Is there anyone who could offer a better trade than that? And I'm just not sure there is. That's pretty good. You've got Ben Simmons locked up. And I know people are like, well, what do you do with Russell Westbrook and Ben Simmons? Who cares? Like, who cares? You probably find a landing spot for Russ at that point is what you do. And I think there would be a ton of teams that would have interest. Like, why wouldn't the Timberwolves have interest? Like, could they do like D'Angelo Russell and the number one pick and something else, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, but again, you get into this, this question of like, would Harden actually want to go to Minnesota and play and stay? 
Yeah. Not sure. Because again, we are running up against some type of timeline with James Harden. He could eventually just leave on his own in any of these cases. He will be older, but still. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to put together a trade package for Harden. Because what young player would satisfy the Rockets for a trade that's ava- that would potentially be available? Right. I don't think that person exists, though. We should talk about the breaking news that just came out, Andrew. We should. It involves more trades. Yes. Shams Sharani reporting the New Orleans Pelicans are openly discussing star Drew Holiday in trade talks and several contending teams are pursuing... Don't you just think of the Nets first? Yes, I do. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the team, right? The the Drew Holiday to the Nets makes a ton of sense. Next to Kyrie, next to KD. A guy that defends something that they need pretty badly. Uh, you keep Joe Harris. You start Kyrie, Drew Holiday, Joe Harris, KD, and DeAndre. Like That's pretty nice. Yeah, I think from the Pelicans' perspective, the question with this trade is what are you trying to do? Are you trying to mostly get future assets out of it? Are you trying to get current assets out of it? Because if you're trying to get current assets, the Nets can make a deal that makes sense because they have Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. Yeah. Yeah, But you could also ask for first-round picks. Right, but you're not going to get any like primo first-round picks from the Nets. No, you won't. Yeah, I think that that's, I think that that's an interesting deal. Like Jared Allen, Karis LeVert for Drew Holiday, and maybe this year's that I can think they have the seventeenth pick. And give them that too. And I think when you're thinking about Drew Holiday trades, because it's it's going to be the contenders, obviously, that are most interested. Like the contenders are just like asset poor right now mm. you know like the the bucks what deal could the bucks possibly make oh, that would intrigue the pelicans i don't think there's one out there i don't think the lakers have enough <laughs> to make something work the clippers again like you're getting you could get a current asset deal back but it's an older version of like the Karis Levert jared allen deal like mm-hmm. you could do some type of sign and trade for montrez harrell and you know lou williams or pat Be- Pat Bev, but I, I don't think that would be interesting to the Pelicans. Yeah, we talked about the the uh, the Timberwolves and the number one pick. Could you do much better than Drew Holiday for the first pick in the draft? No, and I I, I mean I'd love that from the Timberwolves perspective, and just depending on what the Pelicans are trying to get out of this trade, the number one pick even in a bad draft. It's, I, I mean, I still think that's pretty good value. Yeah. And then if you're the Timberwolves, and there was a, an episode released on the NBA Daily Ding this morning that I produced where we talked to with Zach Harper, two Minnesota writers, John Krasinski and Britt Robson, just talking about the what, what they could possibly do. Uh, and they would like to trade the pick. They would either like to trade back and get an asset, maybe a future asset or a player, and then maybe pick at like seven or eight. Like nobody wants to pick at one. <laughs> nobody wants to pick at one <laughs> right. in this draft. But if you're if you're the Pelicans, though, 
I don't think you feel like the crazy pressure to like, if you trade for the pick to like really hit on it. I feel like you could even say like you could take whoever you wanted at that spot uh, for the number one pick and feel okay about it. You could take, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you want both ball ball brothers there. We talked about that. Maybe you do. Um, But yeah, I think it's, I think it's, that's, that's intriguing to me. And Drew Holiday's $25 million is is not that difficult to move. Uh, and if you're the Timberwolves and you want to create sustained success, not sustained success, but you want to get to the playoffs, putting Drew Holiday next to D'Angelo Russell and Carl Towns, like that's that's a path to get there. Yeah. That's at least a path to get there. I don't know if they would – I don't know if they could do – that made, make them the ninth best team in the league. But that could also get them – to the playoff, like the the play-in games. Yeah, for sure. And it would dramatically improve the odds of their pick not being top three. I, mm-hmm. I think – I can't remember. I think that pick is top two protected next year. I believe The one that's that, going to the Warriors. Yeah, I thought, it was, right? I thought it was top three protected. Okay, so it's top three protected and then it's unprotected the following year. Yeah. But yeah, if you could make some deal where you now feel pretty confident that at worst we're going to be like a 12th or 13th pick, that takes out so much value from that Warriors pick in terms of what they can do with it. Because um, right now, I think it's it makes a lot of sense for people to look at that Warrior or that Timberwolves pick that the Warriors have and think, well, that could definitely be like a top five pick mm-hmm. in what could be a very good draft. But I like I like the position the Pelicans are taking because as much as I like Drew Holiday and as good as he is on their team, I think we saw this year that they probably are not ready to compete yet. Even though they have really like high wattage players, you know, they got Zion, mm-hmm. they got Brandon Ingram coming off his first All Star season. Yep, they've got a lot of things going for them. But I, I just don't think playing out this Drew Holiday contract is necessarily going to lead to like a contender status. Yeah. I do think they need to retool in some way. And Drew Holiday is the most obvious piece, especially to trade right now, because yeah. he is older. He's not on the same timeline as all the, their other players. Yeah. I would feel a lot different about this if like the Pelicans had come out last year, had a great season, made the playoffs maybe pushed a team really hard in the first round. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would be a totally different scenario, but like they completely bombed in the bubble. Yep. The bubble, the bubble in some respects was built for them. The entire setup of it was built for them to do well. They had the easiest schedule at the end of the year and they just completely blew it. So I can't see going into this offseason feeling super confident that, oh, the Pelicans are definitely making the playoffs this year. Right. Well, I think trading Drew Holiday is the move because you yeah. can get, I mean, people are gaga over him. Yeah, they are. They love him. They are. And you could take Anthony Edwards at that spot and just swing for the fences. I mean, if you can get, if they get the number one pick, I mean, I would feel really excited about their future if they got the number one pick and then a lottery pick in next year's draft. Yeah. I mean, and you, and they don't have to feel the pressure to, to like to hit because you already have guys. I mean, and maybe they really like Denny or maybe they like James Wiseman or Obi Toppin. Like take whoever. I mean, just take whoever. I'd encourage them to take somebody that can shoot. And that's why I think like Anthony Edwards makes some sense there, just because he does profile as like a a guy that can score from the perimeter, 
which is really what they lack at this point is like a real go-to guy on the perimeter uh, next to Brandon Ingram. And maybe he and Ingram are too similar. Uh, and maybe that's where you'd want LaMelo, who I talked about last week as a guy that makes a lot of sense next to Zion, who can throw lobs and can help glue together the offense. Um, I don't know. There's there's interesting guys that could fit with this team. And then you trade J.J. Redick for a first-round pick, right? Yeah. And then you just like continue to build your assets. And maybe Jackson Hayes isn't the guy that you want. You can trade him for a pick for this year, or maybe you do like him. I don't know. But you open up minutes for Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who I still think has a really good uh, chance to be a good player in this league. So Yeah, for a, con- to do. a contending team, J.J. Redick on a $13 million expiring contract <laughs> is like perfect. I know. He Great. really is. Expensive. It's only going to be a year if, if he's not as good as he's been in the past. But if it works out, like he's going to be awesome. He's exactly what a lot of these contenders probably need. Yeah. Clippers, Lakers, Nuggets could use him. Rockets could certainly use him. I mean, there's <laughs> Sixers, Sixers, Heat, Celtics, Raptors. I mean, everybody. Everybody could use JJ Redick, who's still very good, by the way. On and he's on a one-year deal, and maybe he doesn't command as much money as he got from the Pelicans next year, and you could re-sign him. I think it'd be great for the Lakers. I don't know what they could offer, but to have him as a release valve for LeBron would be pretty, pretty nice. So I would, I mean, I would assume that a J.J. Redick trade follows a Drew Holiday trade if they're able to make one that they like. And I assume that they will be able to. Because what other big name is on the move? I mean, Chris Well is, is definitely one of them, but Chris Paul makes $40 million. That's right. It's a lot harder. I mean, the really, the the Nets can't really do a trade. And, and the Thunder don't want every trade that they, they could get for Chris Paul either. I mean, they don't want a lot of talent back. They want future assets, and really, they'd like to be worse. <laughs> like to be a lot worse when the trade is done. And that will likely happen, but they, you don't want a trade that will push you to the middle, which would be the fear behind all this. Hank agrees. Hank? Okay. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Anything else going on? Uh, have you seen, have you seen Shay's swole IG post? Yes, he does look very fit. He's very in shape. Yeah, that's good. Can't be bad. (laughs) Muscle watch has come early for us. I know this is about, of course, I don't, this is about muscle watch time. I mean, we're a month and a half away. This is muscle watch time. Although I don't even remember what like Shay looked, he could have been ripped this whole time. And I, I don't know how I would have ever known. Yeah. That's the thing about Shay is he does everything very quietly. (laughs) He Uh, does. He does. Uh, Thanks for listening to our podcast. Hope you guys are doing well. Make sure that you take a break from from all the the stuff in the world, at least just for a few minutes today. Just take a breath. I hope you guys um, have a great rest of your day, and we will talk to you guys again on Friday. (laughs) 